Thank you for listening to NSL Double Talk. Never stop learning. At Never Stop Learning, we connect you with engaging experts who join you and your friends or colleagues in conversation at a location of your choosing. With NSL Double Talk, we are bringing the Never Stop Learning model directly to you. Each podcast will feature two experts in conversation on topics that range from global affairs to wellness to arts to innovation. Sometimes the experts agree, sometimes they don't. But we will never stop learning and never stop laughing. Change voices. Yeah. That's not That's how you not sound. Work. <laughs> that is not how you sound. NSL Double Talk featuring Katie Goodman and Sean Clyer. Their topic today is the art of comedy and the art of failure. Katie is an award-winning comedian, author, speaker, actress, and social activist. She has been nominated for the MacArthur Foundation Genius Grant for her unique work in theater. Katie is the author of Improvisation for the Spirit, and she is the creator of the acclaimed off-Broadway sensation, Broad Comedy. Sean is a veteran TV actor, most recently starring in Odd Mom Out. Sean's sketch comedy has appeared on Funny or Die, The Huffington Post, CBS News, Time, and others. We're so excited to welcome Katie and Sean to NSL Double Talk. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm well. Good. It's good to meet you. Oh, likewise. We have everything in common. We kind of do. All yeah. the things. Except for you have 20 some odd additional years, years on of, you. of <laughs> comedic experience, oh, okay. I was going to say. So to, to draw a parallel as if we were both experts here, I think is, you know, maybe Aww, maybe slightly inaccurate. I think maybe I should be interviewing you. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I promise I won't ask you the dumb questions we've always asked you about the movie you were in. Oh, please do. <laughs> so how was Ant-Man? <laughs> it was boring and yes. laborious. Oh, no. And we, we, I mean, not that I didn't like love it, but I was back and forth to Atlanta eight times. Oh, wow. And I was in the movie for like three minutes, maybe mm. less. So it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. A whole lot of travel for a little, you know, a little mm. screen time. <laughs> but it was cool and everyone was nice to me. Oh. So that's, that's a win on the You don't always sets. hear that. Yeah. No, you good. don't. No. You don't. <laughs> so what have you been up to most recently, <laughs> comedy wise? Well, I don't oh. do comedy clubs, which is wonderful. <laughs> Thank God. I know. <laughs> and you don't either anymore. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> yeah. People don't understand how awful the comedy club touring I don't I, I don't understand comedy clubs as a thing anymore. It's hard for me to wrap around why they exist and who still goes. I, I think Australian tourists. That's all I can get when <laughs> I go it. in there. Who want to heckle. Right. And get drunk. And I think sometimes maybe they think they're going into a strip club because they, yeah. they all kind of look like strip clubs a <laughs> yeah, little bit. And then they go in, they go, oh, this oh, is not. So disappointing. Not, right. There's a bunch of dressed Everyone guys. Their clothes on. <laughs> yeah, there's dressed guys. And I mean, it's still offensive, but just in a different way. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And then the women are all angry because <laughs> the audiences are so awful to us. <laughs> We're not indulging them at all. I can't. I can't even imagine. No, it's horrible. So I don't actually really do those. I mean, do Caroline's or some, you know, wonderful women's fundraiser somewhere yeah. now and then, but mostly I tour to Planned Parenthood uh, shows, fundraisers around the country with my troupe. We were talking in the yeah. lobby about that being a space we're in. Uh, a need for release and laughter yes. is pretty necessary yes. right now. Yes, all over the country. Mm-hmm. But we were, yeah, we've gone to Birmingham and Oklahoma City and places where they're pretty just desperate to hear something else. <laughs> so, uh, um, but it's really satisfying. It's really fun. So I have this show called Broad Comedy and it's five women and we go and do this everywhere. So when I do like workshops with NSL, there's humans <laughs> in the room and we're all interacting, right. which is what I love. And it's so fun. And it's happening in present time. Collaborations 
hard. But then I found out working by yourself is harder <laughs> and less fun. It's strange in comedy for me. It's always been like one or the other drains me and one or the other fills me up. As in I'll work alone and I'll run out of steam mm. and being in a room full of other funny people fills yeah. me back up and it's amazing. And yeah. then eventually that group can hit a wall or feel sticky or stagnant and going to the other side right. fills me back up. I but wonder if it would also fill you back up just going to a new group of people. Like, is it just newness? It, I think it actually is just newness. Mm. Yeah, I would say it's probably just newness. So it's just like some kind of stimulus that you're just like, oh. Right. It's like when you start writing, you never sit just in front of a blank page. Oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> and in fact, like, that's how I, I write. <laughs> yeah. That's how I write. I spend eight hours a day writing and <laughs> I've written nothing. <laughs> Nothing's happened. Um, but it's part of the process, <laughs> that's quote <right>. unquote. <laughs> but I think like I talk to a lot of writers who do, they all have something different that they do. And <laughs> I have a whole novel of nonsense. It's, Wait, so how do you, I'm, just, I'm interested in that one tiny moment. So how do you go from the nonsense to the something? Let's pretend there's something. <laughs> In the imaginary world <laughs> yeah. where I'm writing something of value. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the nonsense just helps like shake something loose yeah. and help me stop being afraid of sucking on the page. Right. You know, if I just write and free associate, once I turn to the, my project at hand, I feel less precious about it. Now you write with a partner too, your brother? Yeah, my brother and I yeah. write quite a bit together. We do a lot of short form stuff together. Yeah. Uh, a lot of political stuff. Mm -hmm. And the short form stuff has always been so much easier for me. And just for our listeners, short form is, you're talking about video, short video, sketch, sketch. Yeah, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But not live. All Not live. Yeah. It's all been video sketch. Yeah. So we can see that. Oh, sure, I'll yeah. Pimp that oh, word. Totally pimp me <laughs> okay. out on that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> please laugh, people, <laughs> listeners, please laugh. Yeah, it's short form has always been so much easier for me. Mm -hmm. You take a, a premise and you can just sort of like right. break it down and twirl it around and look at all the different angles, and there's always like a million different comedic possibilities yeah. for it. Yeah. But stringing comedy into longer narrative is so, totally so difficult. I agree with you on that. Yeah. I used to, I did improv. I had the same company of all guys actually for 20 years that I worked with. The same group. <laughs> Sounds like comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, after a while you kind of have these like Vulcan mind melds where you just sort of know what's going <laughs> to happen. But we did um, an improvised musical, which is an hour and a half and there's nothing. You start with nothing. We have this brilliant piano player. You've seen improvised musical. Yeah, I have. It's crazy, it's crazy difficult. But each of us has a different skill that we all know how to use it. And mine is not plot. I am totally short form too. I cannot maintain a long trajectory. In fact, halfway through, I will have completely forgotten where we start. Started. Oh my God, we have the and same. Yeah. I'm just like, oh no, 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 no. Who's that character that just came back? Like, I'll, cause I'm so, part of, I mean, I'd like to think it's cause I'm so present, <laughs> but it's really just like, it's gone. And so my husband is like a complete um, idiot savant. He'd love me here saying that uh, about plot. He's just a complete genius. So what they'll do is the team will send me out to do a solo, which I can do <laughs> while they all plot and plan in the back. And I'm just like killing time, you know, singing some like tragic song with the piano player about my character's awful childhood or something. And then I'll go back and they're all running on stage with something. And I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> you know, I get very panicky about not knowing plot, but I've, I don't know. You know, but that's that's like the beauty of a well-constructed improv troupe is that people yeah. fill the necessary roles. Yes. You know, yeah. I think when I was first starting, I was so nervous that like, 
I couldn't do these specific things I admired so much that improvi other improvisers could do. Yeah. Instead of saying, all right, where, what is my talent? And it was like finding that one weird thing and like creating the next moment in a pattern game rather than yeah. stringing everything together or a brilliant callback. Mm -hmm. that, that was my talent. <laughs> and I would punish myself for not being the, the mastermind right. of the whole thing. But right. everybody has a different skill set within improv, it seems like. Right. What have you learned going into a business atmosphere and teaching improv? I think it, it must be so revealing as to the personalities of people, but also yeah. like people's comedic sensibilities who haven't given it a shot. <laughs> Well, that's interesting because yeah. people have total fear about, you probably have seen this too, about comedy. Like they, it's this mysterious thing and you just unpack that right away. You're just like, look, there's three things that are pretty funny, you know, incongruous, you know, misfortune and the familiar. That's it. And then mm -hmm. you like explain what those are. And then they're like, oh, it's not so threatening anymore. But I think what's funny to me is, you know, I'll get a room full of like software Dudes, usually. Funny guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're often very, this one group I just taught, and they were very, very quiet. They work solitary most of the time, but they'd been told to go out and teach people how to use a new software program, and they're all panicking. So they brought me in to work with them. But what's so funny is, like, right away, they're smart people, and they all have their own history of stories, right? No two people have the same history of stories. So what they bring to their improv character or the scene is so completely unique. So there's no competing. And they're, once they loosen up a bit, they're so funny because they're so smart. And they all have something in common that they can all pull from and make each other laugh because they're like, oh, that thing that mm -hmm. we all know that's really annoying right, <laughs> about right. this field, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's really bonding that way. It's really fun. But they just get really funny really fast because it's the common experience and the trick that I try to do that they don't even know that it's happening. Like, I don't, I'm not like, here, go do a scene and be terrified. It's like a slow lead up to it. And suddenly they're really in the present moment. So their inner critic is like gagged. I always say gag your inner critic. So they're making it shut up so it won't be questioning them as they're doing the creative process. They'll just be in flow. You know, the word flow. God. It's so fun. And improv just does that. It's not like a, it's its own, it's a superpower. Not yeah. my superpower. It's improv just does that. So cool. tell me about your workshop. Um, oh, I don't, I don't teach. Oh. I, well, I, well for NSL, but I don't teach like in person, you know, but I, I talk just sort of, sort of more generally about comedy. I think I've okay. always think about it more from a stand-up perspective because that's where I started yeah. and kind of learned the most valuable lessons I've taken with me into acting and writing even also yeah. simply because stand-up was an act of like sheer terror at first <laughs> And uh, I didn't value the terror. I thought, <laughs> I hope this ends. You know, like <laughs> I hope I stop sucking. And it was the act of sucking itself that was so productive for me. It just didn't feel like it. It felt horrible. <laughs> and so it's fun for me to talk to people about, you know, like encouraging people to suck. <laughs> and that sounds yeah. odd, but I, I think that when you're talking about quieting the inner critic. For me in stand-up, it was more about doing enough of it such that the inner critic would just calm down, would just mm. sort of take a seat for a minute mm. and be like, yeah, this this is not going to feel great sometimes, especially when a joke bombs. And that's part of it. That's okay. So becoming more familiar with that voice that wanted to tell me to shut up and, and just kind of being friends with him yeah, yeah, rather than... Yeah. Um, uh, freaking out about it and punishing myself and saying, oh, I'm so bad, I'm so awful. 
which I still do in droves, but it's more like, oh, hey, old friend. You <laughs> right, know, like, right, let's, right. let's hang out yeah, <laughs> again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, just did a whole podcast on this, uh, Find Something to Suck At, and it was started with the, just the story that I had heard is what gave me the idea of this woman whose father had been studying French like his entire adult life and absolutely could not speak it. And he <laughs> said, some things are worth doing terribly. And she was like, what? Yeah, it's a weird social instinct yeah. to... <laughs> Always have an end game for whatever you're doing. Yeah. You know, always create metrics for yourself that are more arbitrary than just saying the doing of this thing yeah. changes me somehow. Yeah. And yeah. So did you? So now that you are, <laughs> you have the wise <laughs> insight about um, wise. the sucking uh, part. Yeah. Have you gone back to do stand-up again and been like, it's fine if I suck in front of 100 people? Yeah, well, I still like sweat and yeah. like get choked up and all of the things that I used to do, but it just doesn't bug me. And so mm -hmm. I feel like I can take more risks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was like a couple of years of that like really tough mm -hmm. bit. And then I'd start to settle into myself and enjoy myself mm -hmm. on stage. And lo and behold, the last would then come. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm a few years removed from having done it. And just recently I've gone back on stage a, a couple of That's times. Nice. I'm trying to work my way back into it, yeah. and it is easier. It is yeah. easier not just because um, that voice is calmer, but because I rebound from failure quicker. <laughs> yes, and, totally, yeah. yes. When we had our improv troupe and we were still pretty new, a friend of ours who had been in one for a long time, he's like, when you're a young improv troupe and you have a shitty show, you just are like, bye, guys, and you go home. And when you're a, you've been together for five or ten years or doing this, he's like, you have a shitty show and you're like, hey, let's go get a drink. <laughs> like, you just don't care. You know, yeah. it's, you're like, yep, that happens. It's, yeah, <laughs> many it's, times. It's par on the course. It's standard. Yeah. yeah. So I think that a lot of people entering comedy um, encounter that horror quickly and leave. <laughs> yeah. And I'd love to encourage people to encounter it and understand that it's such an important part of the process yeah. and that it means keep going. You yeah. Know. So I was, I was on the fence about whether to bring this up, but huh. drugs are an option. <laughs> I'll tell you what I mean by Oh, drugs that. are fun. Yeah, I also encourage heavy <laughs> drug use. So I have a friend who's a violinist for mm -hmm. an orchestra, and I'm a musical comic. I'm sorry, I'm a musical comic, <laughs> stressing the music. So I play piano and guitar. And my fingers start sliding when I'm nervous. Just on the first two songs, you know, until the adrenaline goes away, my fingers start sliding off notes, and then I'm hitting all kinds of wrong notes. And it, it really genuinely sounds terrible, and it's very, very stressful. And my friend, the violinist, was like, why don't you take beta blockers? The entire orchestra takes beta blockers. Do they work? Yes, and here's the thing Son that's interesting a... about it. <laughs> they don't do anything to you. They don't make you, like as if you've had a glass of wine. It's nothing like that. All they do is they stop adrenaline from building up. And the reason I'm saying this, not as I'm pushing beta blockers, is that the new experience that I'm having is I still emotionally and mentally feel nervous, especially with new material. That's my nerve place. But the word feel isn't there because I don't have a physical response. So it's been very interesting. Fascinating. Yes. Like, oh, if you don't have a physical response, is it not as bad? And the answer is yes. <laughs> but you're still in your head going, oh God, oh God, oh God, is this going to work? Like for comedy, you know, is this new material going to work? Yeah. Am I going to remember my lines? But without the physical sensation, it's a different thing. Now, again, I'm not pushing beta blockers, but what is interesting to me is that question about how much of it is just physicality and can we somehow trick our brain without drugs <laughs> to not have that 
response because it's like, you know, it's, it's evolution, right? We're going to get sent onto the ice floe, kicked out of the clan, whatever, mm-hmm. kicked right. off the island. It feels like, the same thing as a bear coming after yeah. you. Yeah, and I mean, of course, that's because if you do make a fool of yourself or you do something that ostracizes you from the group evolutionarily, you will starve, right? Like that's, our biology has been trained to teach us that. That's but so it's so up. hard to remember that in the middle of a comedy set. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, this is just my fear of not eating ever again. <laughs> like, that doesn't really work. <laughs> it's not intuitive <laughs> no. like it should be. So where can we buy this miracle drug? <laughs> <laughs> Go to your, your, uh, your uh, GP. Well, actually, we have a two-for-one deal right, right yeah, now. Yeah, right now. So. It's on my website. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, I, I actually think I need beta blockers. Yeah. I really think I do. Uh, you might you might try it. I think I'll give it a shot yeah. and I'll report back. Especially if you love something. I mean, it's funny because what I don't do is drink during shows. Oh, I used and to. And comedians, oh my God. Good God. They get loaded. Do. And um, I think it's, you know, it's to be uninhibited or whatever, mm-hmm. but I, I can't, first of all, I won't remember <laughs> things. I'll get very silly. I'm kind of a cheap drunk. So it's just, but also as an actor, you would never do that in theater, right? Like in a play or in a movie. I would never. I wouldn't. I actors don't see actors. Actors generally would. I mean, really? we hear things. Yeah, we hear things all the time. I don't know. I think the problem is so yeah. bad in our industry that, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about like the drinking and drug problem, which I'm sure is bad, but the nerves yeah. are so bad that everybody's trying to find an angle to get through them. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. remember hearing a story. I did a pilot last year. And the day before we were going to do it, somebody was like, hey, um, don't get f***ed up before the show. <laughs> and I was like, you don't have to worry about me. And they were like, oh, trust me, we need to worry. We were doing a pilot last year, and this poor girl, she got the lead, and she was so nervous. I don't remember what she took. It was like a Xanax. <gasps> but she accidentally no. took too many. And oh we're talking about gosh. a live studio audience pilot. So it was a multicam. And so the audience is there and the cameras are set up and it's showtime and they have to film it all this night and she is knocked out in her trailer. Oh, and they no. couldn't even they couldn't even get the pilot in the can. Oh my god. So that's it's like, oh that's awful. And okay, at the same yeah, time no. I'm like, I get it, girl. Like that <laughs> yeah, is I feel you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have been me. So Oof. yeah, no, it's it's brutal. It's brutal. But also then you're not I mean, part of what the adrenaline thing is it is because you're totally present, which you want to be, right? And yeah. it does give you adrenaline, obviously gives you some of the good juice. You know, you're much more attuned to the person you're connecting with on stage. Right. You're much more heightened awareness of the audience's reaction, even if they're just breathing or holding their breath and it's not a comedy because comedy is much easier. You can hear them laughing. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it helps you remember lines. It also helps you mess up because you panic. So tell us about a little bit more about what you're speaking about. Yeah. Well, the failure part is a big yes. part of it. And then other than that, it's it's sort of what you mentioned before, some of the basics of comedy, some of the simple things, because I think laughter is such a, it does seem mysterious. There's no other human response quite like it. We know when we're scared, we're, we know when we're nervous, like we've talked about, but like what triggers you to laugh? It's such a strange psychosomatic phenomena. Yeah. So 
I like pointing out the little things that cause that. It's always unexpected. You're never like, I'm about to laugh and now I'm laughing. <laughs> it just never, it never happens that way. It's always unexpected. Except in those workshops, those laughter workshops. Have you ever heard of those? Where they just like, what are they like? They work on laughing. I don't you know. You just literally laugh. It's more like a meditation workshop, but you just like laugh. And then I think what happens is you fake it at first and then it's all so ridiculous that everyone's laughing at nothing. Then you actually start laughing. Is, do you think it's unexpected I, still? Or do you think you, you, no, people are like anticipating? I, they're forcing it. And then maybe it is unexpected when it becomes genuine. So what? I don't know. I've never taken one. <laughs> what is that laughter where you like, somebody starts laughing and you know you're about mm-hmm. to, and everybody's starting laughing. And you, yeah, it's the contagion. You want to try <sighs> the laughing? laughing? This isn't going to work for me. Because <laughs> 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 now I'm laughing no, I'm, at yeah, you. Yeah, because I'm faking it. <laughs> uh, and your face was great, <laughs> which was unexpected. It's awkwardness. I just felt awkward. That's why I was laughing. Yeah. I actually, to uh, bear my soul, I was in my therapist's office once Uh and I giggled at something after I said it and she went, what's that? And I was like, what? Because I don't actually pay attention to laughter. I pay attention to what makes people laugh. Not, I mean, me making them laugh. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the thing I did? And you're making me think I need to pay a little more attention to like um, what's happening inside their body that's making them laugh. But anyway, she was like, what's that? And I I was like, what, what, what? <laughs> She's like, you just laughed after that thing you said. And I, first of all, didn't even notice I had laughed. And then I was like, oh my God, it's because I'm so uncomfortable about that story. I just told her whatever. I don't, honestly, I genuinely don't remember what it was. <laughs> but it was struck me. And, and you're making me think about this more. Like, I mean, I think I always say unexpected is incongruous or ironic, right? Mm-hmm. You have two things that don't go together or something. Right. Somebody falling down is... Misfortune, misfortune and yeah. that. And then the familiar, I think, is funny. At first, it's funny because it's unexpected. But then if someone's doing just an impersonation of, like, Trump or something, it continues to be funny. That is the, the one that's most <laughs> mysterious. Yeah. I can't quite pinpoint it. Yeah. There's something about the common experience, maybe. We're all in the room laughing because we all recognize it, maybe. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't know, though. I think you'd still laugh even if nobody else was laughing. I think there's still something surprising about mimicry. You know, I think you were always caught off guard by the familiar coming from an unfamiliar source. Right, so it's still incongruous. Yeah. It's ironic or something. Something like that. I don't know, but then you encounter people. The subjectivity of humor always bewilders me. You know, it's (laughs) just so, and that's why I was curious about all the different places around the country that you're going to and you're doing some of the same material at these places and you're encountering different worldviews in many of these places, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Especially if it's in a theater. If it's at a Planned Parenthood fundraiser, it's like, okay, we're all... Yeah, everybody's like, we're on board. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you don't have to explain any of the jokes. In fact, we just did a show in Montana and out of 700 people, there's like 695 laughing and five walked out. Right. And my husband always says that's our sweet spot. He's like, if a couple of people don't walk out, then we're not doing enough <laughs> you know, to be edgy. Right. But at this point, I'm also like, really? You didn't Google? Like, you didn't go on YouTube and at least watch one of our videos and know you're going to hate us. Right. You know? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it was interesting doing it around New York just to, just because I could be on the Upper West Side mm-hmm. and do a show and then yeah. I could be in a basement in Brooklyn and do a show. And then Staten Island. <laughs> yeah, well, I did do one in Staten Island. <laughs> I did one in Staten Island. I was like, whoa, I'm in Kentucky. It's totally, it's another yeah. world. It's another yeah. world. And, and okay, so that's another one of the fundamental things I talk about is that there's like a common familiarity and it's fascinating to me that you watch comedies from other cultures if you're looking at like French TV yeah. or wherever. You were like, that's not funny. 
but it's very funny there. And and I guess even in like British and American humor, we see these like slight yeah. differences and it translates. We're speaking the same comedic language because so, there's a familiarity, but it's still different. And it's fascinating to me the shared experience a community must have yeah. to relate to a joke in the same way. I wonder if there's also <laughs> something about just training you growing up. Like if you watch Mr. Bean or something, I'm just trying to think of something. The whole way you're like, that's comedy. And then you came here and you're like, what is this SNL thing? <laughs> right, right. I wonder how much of it is socialized. Yeah, and, that's what I don't know the answer yeah. to that too. Well, what did you grow up <laughs> watching that was like, this is my comedic influence. You know, did you have Well, a Charlie's Angels was my feminist influence. <laughs> but Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm trying, I mean, God, I'm thinking MASH, that's weird to mm-hmm. say. Because that's pretty advanced for like an eight or nine year old, but that's what I watched with my dad on vacation and I didn't watch TV with my mother. But that was that was the comedy of its day. It was, was it? killer, yeah. right? My husband writes sketch with me. He grew up watching Three's Company, which is <laughs> sketch 101. I've never seen it, really? Oh, it's terrible. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's every, it's like situational comedy. It's uh-huh. like if you watch it once, you'll be like, oh, I see. Right, right. <laughs> and we need to move on from that, <laughs> that kind of, well, since we're both doing political comedy, that's a whole nother bag too, right? It's entirely about, <laughs> not entirely about offending people, but it's entirely about, what's happening right this minute. Mm-hmm. And so the joke that was funny yesterday, and also the joke that'll be funny next week is not funny today, the too soon, too soon. Right. That's fascinating. You know, I have an, <laughs> we have an interesting example of that. So for the political organization that we're doing comedy for, we created this character who is an honest politician and it was a simple comedic premise. He does all the things a politician would do. He just says the things that they're thinking, you know? And so <laughs> he says big dude and his lines are like, you know, you, you don't need another spineless mouthpiece for special interest in lobbyists. You need a spineless mouthpiece for special <laughs> interest in lobbyists. Me, you know. And it was it was cute. Um, but he was he was just like aggressively transparent. And now he doesn't seem ridiculous at all. And that was in 2014. Yeah. That campaign got all kinds of eyeballs and was huh. shared a bunch and it was great for the organization. Yeah. And now when we share the video, people are like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> it was funny then. It's not funny now. We, not at all. Wow. We wrote this song called Gay is So Last Year. And this is like four years ago. And it was it was sort of like a schoolhouse rock and that it was like explaining, you know, trans and everything and a whole bunch of other things that our audience didn't yet know, like mm-hmm. intersexuality and like all these other things. And it was so funny because in the same audience, my best friend's a lesbian who's like 55 and they were like, they didn't really totally get it. And the young folks sort of were like, well, yeah. And then the people my age were like, oh, that's so funny because I'm so caught in the middle and this is so confusing. Jump forward four years and it's absolutely an idiotic song now. We don't do it at all because mm. it's gotten so much more complicated. And to say that somebody doesn't really know what trans means now, I mean, that's the beauty of it too, is I love when my stuff gets outdated (laughs) generally, because it means that we've progressed a little bit, you know, unfortunately we're still doing a lot of material from 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) It's sad when that keeps working. Yes. You're like, I'd be happy to retire. I really would (laughs) if I didn't have to. Well, you did one (laughs) bit that really cracked me up when I was looking up your stuff. And it was a song about like, how, pardon my French, f***ed up life is now. <laughs> and you're like, somebody f***ed everything up and everything is so f***ed and it's never been this f***ed 
before. <laughs> and I was cracking up. And then I looked at the date that you sang it. Yes. And it was eight years ago. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, I this has gained in, yeah. you know, it's it's a means something entirely different than yep. it did when you wrote it. And now it's actually funnier. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know? oh that's fabulous. Yeah. I was, <laughs> like, I was like, yes, this is so true, you know. And then I, th- I was thinking, I was watching your piece, the Bill Pullman Independence Day piece, which is so funny in New York with the bullhorn. And that obviously New Yorkers can relate to that <laughs> so much, I'm sure. Maybe LA people get it too. Do you ever, do you have feedback from people who are like, wait, I'm not sure what you're doing? I think it, it, it's <laughs> interesting when it's a cultural reference, yeah. like Independence Day. Yeah. And so. <laughs> Everybody's at, ignoring you. Well, at the time, I think I was in mid 20s or early 20s. And so. When I was doing it and sharing it to my friends and the young people then, not that it's like so far removed, but it's still different in that time span because I'm not certain everybody knows that movie anymore. You know, so I did it and shared it and it was funny then and blogs were like, you know, oh, this guy did the thing from Independence Day. (laughs) I feel like if I did it now, people would be like... Yeah, I don't know if enough folks know that movie or if it's huh. as referenceable yeah. as it was before. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know if it would work the same way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's definitely like 19 and 20-year-olds who are like, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, what did you say? I don't get it. <laughs> we don't even speak the same language. No. <laughs> I was telling younger people in my company, okay, here's some pictures. I'll try to write a funny line and then you take it, fix it. <laughs> so it's understandable to your people. And then do whatever you do with it. I mean, that's so funny. Like I made my very first Instagram story like last week and I was like, look what it can do. I was showing the, and they were just like facepalm. <laughs> do you ever feel that pressure to be like, well, I'm a comedian. I have social media. I must be funny on my social media yeah. all the time. Yeah. I hate that. But you are so funny much. on your social media. I just Twittered stalked you yeah. today and I was like that's that's funny it actually made me think I should write something funny and my co- my little cousin and I had done like a little gingerbread house yesterday and I was like I can say something funny about this my Jewish household doing little Christmas things and I have this song called I'll be Jewish for Christmas it's perfect <laughs> I can promote and be funny at the same time and I'm like typed type 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 on the train I'm like oh it's not funny and I just deleted I gave up that's my entire experience. That's all day, every day. You're saying that I I gave you that feeling. Well, that's because I got it from some other comedian. I'm like, they're doing clever shit. I got to do something clever. And yeah. then I sit on my phone, I'm like, oh, I'm not wording this right. It's not translated. It's even so funny. we need to use your callback. We need to use your um, thing. We're just making tons of bad Instagram posts. <laughs> Maybe we'll share them with each other. That would be and awesome. And we'll be like, okay, now I can do the good let's one. Do a, let's, let's have a private <laughs> feed that we both use. That's actually such a funny idea. Like a, like a dump place for comedians' garbage. Oh, bad comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad Instagram. Bad starts or something. Oh, yeah. Fails. And, yeah. But it absolutely has to be private. It cannot be like, oh, now somebody let everybody see this. It should be for <laughs> other comedians. Yeah. <laughs> to be Only. like, look, yeah. hey, look, this is us, honest, you know. And But you know what would happen? They'd get competitive. They'd be like, here's my garbage. And it would be great. Damn it, you're right. <laughs> Oh, comedians ruin everything. We're so competitive. That's horrible. Uh, Oh, the joke is to be bad. Well, I can be worse than him. Hmm. That sounds like a game I could win, though. (laughs) Or I just meant that they'd put something in that was actually good. Oh, that was good. And they're like, this is my worst. Right. Oh, right. Right? Yeah, screw you. They would do that. Yeah, they'd turn a game out of being bad. You know, they'd find Right, right, right. (sighs) We're exhausted. I know. We're (laughs) exhausted. 
It was a genuine pleasure meeting. Totally. You. This was a delight. <laughs> yes. And, and big together. thanks to NSL for letting yeah, us come so and chat for a little guys. bit. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Until next time. Until next time. For conversations you can't ignore, come back every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. Subscribe now and never stop learning.